0: When you get to be my age, you see a lot of uh, desertions, disappointments, people abandoning the race, and to a point, those departures make you sad, discouraged at times, but also when you get to be my age, you see a lot of restorations which are a great boost to faith. I'll tell you two things that really, really helped me in my walk with the Lord. Persevering saints through thick and thin over the years, but also those who have fallen, and God brings back to prove his point that those who are his will not perish. This morning I want to consider a text that in fact deals with that, It is a tale of two traitors. It is a look at Judas, the traitor, but also another guy who was a traitor, Peter. We rarely think on Peter along the lines of him being a traitor, but they were both traitors. And we will see a lot of similarities in the reason, but we will see a sharp contrast in the end. One of them was restored. There's a reason to that. Psalm 37 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And even though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, because it is the Lord who sustains his hand. I remember Pastor Martin many years ago making the illustration of that text of a parent holding his toddler learning to walk. And there's the toddler supposedly gripping his father or his father's or mother's hand as he's tumbling on his first steps or her first steps. And they stumble. But there's this hand that always lifts them. And they never remain on the floor. says that's exactly the way it works with the righteous. They stumble many times. But it is the Lord who sustains them. And today we will look at that. When I was younger... I read short verses and preached long sermons. Now that I'm older, I like to read long passages and preach shorter sermons. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read a long portion of Scripture, three portions in Scripture, in fact, and then we will consider a meditation from it. Let's start by Matthew 26. You have it on the screen. That's great. Matthew 26, starting in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, talking to the disciples, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter had this dragging ability to carry the rest with him. Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard... And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you two are one of them for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Matthew 27, verse 1. The morning came, All the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bowed him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See it to it yourself." And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. Now, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me and that is the reading of god's word in this tale of two traitors of judas and of these betrayal tales are recorded in the gospels one after the other i believe it is deliberate that matthew recorded the betrayal following each other he wanted to show us two traitors the tales are told one after the other, deliberately, because Matthew wants to portray the Savior, of course. So let me show you two traitors. Let me show you what happens to one of them. Now, it's interesting to see the similarities on the betrayal. We we may tend to think, oh, well, Peter did something different. That's why it was different with him. No, no, there was a lot of similarities. Both Peter and Judas denied the hallmark of discipleship. What is discipleship, according to Peter? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. What is discipleship, according to Jesus? You relinquish your life, you resign to your life, you lose it for my sake. Judas was a thief and a covetous man, and Judas chose to trade Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, you may think that's a fortune. You know what 30 pieces of silver was, give or take? Five weeks' salary. If we get a a laid off or some kind of severance and they only pay us five weeks, we would be in panic. Because five weeks is very little money. Judas was so covetous and so loving of money that he was willing to betray his Savior for that. Peter, conversely, was very impetuous and self-confident. Even if they all deny you, I will not. You, you find those guys always. They are Superman, but in the hour of truth, they chicken out. I'm not going to mention names, but there's a very famous person that if I mention his name, you would know, that appeared in this kind of documentary made by, the, by a very blasphemous individual, Bill Maher. I mean, probably know who I'm talking about and he made a documentary called religulous for religulous however you pronounce that in which he was basically mocking Christianity and this super famous person had a shot at making a statement for the gospel and when I saw it I said wow all that boldness when you do your videos but now that you have the audience of the unbelievers and a blasphemous guy in front of you that's all you got Well, that's what happened to Peter. (laughs) They did not want to lose their lives to gain Christ, but rather they wanted to save their own skin, even if it cost them losing Christ. Both Judas and Peter were warned by Jesus. Jesus said plainly, perhaps not so plainly to Judas, but so many times telling him or telling the group one of you will betray me. Judas knew it was him. Even to the point of saying, the one who's dipping his bread with me. The one who I give the morsel. So. And he dips it and passes it to Judas. That was the time to say, okay, 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 my bad, my bad. Lord, have mercy on me. Nope. He kept going. To Peter, it was even more dramatic. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, Satan... Has demanded you. To shake you like wheat. Can you picture the Lord telling you. Satan came to me tonight. And asked me. To calf you. And sift you. And shake you. Lord please. I don't want to be the next Job. In the movie. That didn't move Peter either. Both men were warned. Warned. With scriptures to Judas and to the group, he said, as it is written in the psalm, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. In the case of Judas, he says, or he quote Zechariah thirteen seven, when Jesus would be sold by 30 pieces of silver. By the way, side note, I know I always harp on this. The scriptures are Christotelic. The scriptures are not a little dictionary or encyclopedia of Bible verses for your special occasions. (laughs) All the time the gospels pull the Old Testament and apply to Jesus without explanation. If you're reading Zechariah or you're reading the psalmist, you you think, well, here's David talking about Ahithophel and his treason. Yeah, but he's talking about Jesus and Judah's treason. Because at the end of the day, the scriptures were to be fulfilled in him, and they are about him. Never forget that. So the men are warned. Both Judas and Peter, in that warning, received an opportunity to escape. Judas could have turned to Jesus, even as he saw him washing his feet in the upper room. On that occasion, described in John 13, that Jesus loved his disciples loved them to the end, knowing who he was, knowing that all things he had received from the Father, that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father, knowing his glory, his position, his standing. He took, out his, took off his shirt as if it were and dressed as a servant, as a slave, washed the disciples' feet, including Judah's muddy feet. What an opportunity to cry uncle and pull back. He didn't. Same with Peter. He could have asked for help. Satan has demanded you, Peter, no, Lord, please no. I hope you've prayed that way. (laughs) Lord, please deliver me from the evil one. It's even in the Lord's prayer. It is something for us to pray daily. Don't let Satan come and tempt me. Please have mercy on me. That was a chance for Peter to escape. No, he didn't take the hint. And after they sinned, both men equally repented, had remorse, and felt bad. We read it. Judas repented. He changed his mind. He had a metanoia. He repented. More than that, he restored the 30 pieces of silver. It was illicit, unlawful gain. He sold his master for it. He restored what he had taken illegally. And he confessed with his mouth what was his sin. I have sinned, delivering innocent blood. That's perfect repentance. That passes the test of any confession or any catechism definition of what repentance is. Did Judas repent? Because repentance and faith is more than etymology, and it's more than definitions. Peter, the same. It says that Matthew 27, 75, we read the passage. He went out and wept bitterly. Josephus, the historian, Jewish historian, and others, tell us tradition. I'm not saying this is true, okay? Tradition. That Peter's cheeks developed some kind of, uh, I don't know, groove or, or because of all the tears he would weep all his life just thinking about his betrayal. I don't know if it is true or not, but the reality is that Peter wept, the text says, bitterly. And just a side note, especially to the younger ones. A side note, sin, any kind of sin, is forgiven in Christ and can be forgiven and will be forgiven if you turn to Christ. Rest assured on that. But let me give you this warning sin is forgiven, but it's not forgotten. You may carry the marks for life. I still have vivid in my mind the day, the place, the hour, When I talked to this sister who was just there to commit adultery and trash his life, and I pleaded with her, don't do it. Don't betray your husband. She did. The Lord restored her. She's walking with the Lord. Testament of grace. But she trashed her life. She destroyed her family. Because sin is forgiven. But the sequels remain at least for this life. We know they will be removed on the life to come. So both men repented. Judas' callousness made himself or made his sin despicable. Think about it. Judas lived three years at least with the most loving, compassionate, kind, benevolent, good, innocent, holy person who has ever stepped foot on earth. He lived with Jesus. And he had the guts of selling him out for five weeks wages. Despicable. Peter's arrogance made him sin, made his sin detestable. He heard the warning. All of you, to all of the disciples, all of you will fall away on account of me tonight. That's enough to be scared to death. Not me, Lord. Not me. Peter, you in particular, Satan has demanded to shake you as wheat, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not falter, may not be eclipsed. I like that text. It describes some reality about the Christian life. In the hours of darkness, our faith eclipses many times. It doesn't mean that God is not there, but it means that as it happens with solar or lunar eclipses, The moon or the sun are still there, but we can't see them. Many times afflictions cloud and cover our ability to perceive and sense and know that God is there. But he is there. And Jesus prayed, Peter, I have prayed that your faith may not eclipse. Well, all of these things are similar. These are two traitors in exactly the same manner. What is then the difference between them? What made Peter different from Judas, given that their outcomes were different? I hope, I really hope and pray and desire that if I ask you, you would say, the difference was Jesus. I hope you're not saying, oh, well, the difference is that Peter, you know, he repented differently. He actually had a different attitude. Uh, Peter, oh, it's not Peter. Well, Judas was a covetous. And a thief and he really didn't feel the true repentance as described in the catechism and in the confession. I hope you're not thinking along those lines. Because the difference between these two traitors was Jesus. Jesus said of Judas that he was the son of perdition. We don't like to hear that. Perhaps it's not the most fun and entertaining thing to preach. It's not going to endear me to any of you, especially those who do not know me. But the Bible says that Judas was the son of perdition. Now, I do not believe in double predestination. I believe that that is a description to say Judas acted according to his nature. He was a thief. He was covetous. He was a liar. And he acted according to his very nature, the son of perdition. Jesus said of him in John 6, 70, that Judas was a devil. So Jesus called Judas, you are a diabolos. You are one of the servants and the minions of Satan himself. As such, yes, he was the son of perdition. He acted according to his nature. Peter, in contrast, was a child of God. He was one of those in... John seventeen that Jesus said that he was praying for those whom the Father had given to him, and none of them perished because God gave them to Jesus, and that is the big difference. The difference explained in Romans nine twenty six when Paul says the vessels of wrath prepared themselves to their destiny of condemnation. God doesn't destin. People to be vessels of wrath. I don't believe that. Even the grammar in the text says they prepared themselves to be vessels of wrath. But there's something that God does. God decides whom he chases after to rescue and whom he doesn't. In Komatsu, we build this big machinery called rope shovels. They are five-story houses, and the cab is all the way on top. And there is a device that you order for them when you, when you choose if you have it or not. It's called a matic. It's a special device. That if there is a problem and you're five stories high and there's a fire somewhere, you want to get out of that place as soon as you can so you get into this air thing and shoots you to the ground and at least you run away from the burning shovel. But it's an option. It's an option that the owner of the shovel chooses. The option to rescue sinners belongs to God. He offers it. (laughs) But those who take it. Is because God chose to go after them. And Jesus chose to go after Peter. Because he was one of those whom the Father had given him. The rest. God delivers them to follow their passions. As Romans 1 describes. So. Judas went to what he knew, religion. He went to the chief priests. He went to the Sanhedrin. He went to the elders. He went to the Pharisees. That's what he knew. And what did they say? He confessed. He showed his tears. I have sinned. I have delivered to you innocent blood. Here's the money that man is innocent. What is that to us? We couldn't care less, Judas. That's your problem. We got him. Perhaps a picture of the lack of concern of religion about eternal souls. Their interest is not necessarily saving souls, but perhaps building their own empires. Or controlling people. Or whatever their interests are. It's none of my business to judge them. I'm just saying... Judas went to religion, and in religion, he just found despair and emptiness. They were totally unconcerned. There's no hope in religion. There's no hope in repentance. There's no hope in remorse. Perhaps you have seen many of those videos, or you yourself have asked the question, Hey, uh, how do I know if I'm saved? And you heard the answer, Oh, do you grieve over your sin? Have you cried over your sins? Do you have remorse for what you have done? I have news for you. That doesn't do absolutely anything for anyone. Salvation has nothing to do with my remorse, my sadness, my grieving, or my repentance. The Bible says many times, salvation is of the Lord. There's a hymn that I love. Is that rock of ages? <laughs> not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy lost demands, always falling short. Hamartia, Romans 323. Could my zeal nor respite know? Could my tears forever flow? They for sin could not atone. You, Saviour, must save. And you alone. That was the difference between Judas and Peter. That Peter went fishing. I'm going fishing. And the rest of the disciples said. We're going with you. Jesus went after Peter. He didn't go after Judas. God is sovereign in salvation. The angel's instruction to the women. in the, At the tomb. It's something that. I've always loved. Here's Peter discouraged, despaired, knowing that he betrayed Jesus. And before doing whatever he did, between the time he saw Mary Magdalene and went up, and then other women came and saw an angel, Jesus left this word for the angel who was at the empty tomb. Go tell when the women come, let them know that they have to tell the disciples, and Peter, he's going before you into Galilee. That to me is fascinating. Jesus wanted Peter to be told, Hey, Peter, the Lord says, you'll see him again. He's going before you guys into Galilee. The last look Peter had had of Jesus was that described by Luke 23. Remember the third time Jesus, uh, Peter, invoked a curse upon himself? Sometimes people say, oh, Peter was swearing and cursing and using four-letter words. I don't think so. I think that what Peter actually was doing was much worse than that. Peter was invoking curses upon himself if he knew Jesus. Now, we don't understand that too well because in our culture, using the D word is not a big deal. Right, we change it for darn, but we use that D word all the time. You ask a Greek or a Arab or a Turk or a Hebrew, a Jew, about a curse, about anathema, and they even say, No, 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 don't please don't don't even say that word. That's something big for them. Because what Peter was saying is may God curse me if I know Jesus. And Luke says, while he was speaking, it was not one shot. He was constantly repeating, may God curse me, I don't know him. I invoke heaven to curse me, I don't know him. And at that moment, Jesus looked at him. Can you picture that look? Peter is still speaking, and Jesus locks eyes with him. And Peter is stricken in conviction and goes out and weeps bitterly. And Jesus tells the angel, tell Peter that I'm going ahead of him to Galilee. Peter was restored. Three times he denied. Three times he was made to tell Jesus in front of everyone, you know, That I love you. It's not coincidence that the question was asked three times. Three times he denied. Three times he confessed loving his Lord. What about you? Or me? I don't know everybody here. And even if I know you, I have no idea what happened to you this week. Are you broken? Destroyed? Despondent? Despondent? despairing, disappointed even at yourself because you denied the faith, this week that you had to really present a witness before your boss or before a co-worker or before your colleagues or fellow students or whomever, you blew it. This week that you had to act properly before your children or before whomever, you blew it. Well, I present to you The Jesus of Peter. He restored him. Because the text is not about Peter. It's about Jesus' unchangeable love. Always happens. Even when I preach the sermon to my friends in the morning. I preach a small sermon to my friends every Sunday morning. When I'm coming with the gospel, an airplane goes by. The dog of the neighbor barks my own dog barks or the ac goes on something happens you know why because our fight is not against flesh and blood it's not the mic it's not that alex and 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 giancarlo are struggling with a no no it's not that it's not that the devil doesn't want the gospel to be preached if he can overcome god he can strike me dead right now but if he can't this lips <laughs> will preach the gospel. And I'm not trying to be Pentecostal. The microphone, I know, helps with that. <laughs> Where are you? The passage is not about Peter. The passage is not about Judas. The whole Bible is about Jesus. He came to save his people from their sins. Do you see all these harlots in the genealogies? Do you see all these criminals in the genealogies? Do you see all these ge- liars in the genealogy? How come your Savior has this genealogy? In my resume, I want to present the best of myself. Jesus' resume is, um, my great great grandmother was a harlot, the other one too, the other one was an adulterer, this guy was a criminal, the other one was an assassin, the other one was, he was an idolater. Uh, yeah, the son of peace, Solomon, he got a thousand women, and he worshiped Moloch and Baal, and he was a disaster. Uh, yep. And here am I. Yes, because he came to save his people from their sins. That's what the deal is about. That's what the Bible is about. I know moralism sells better. How to be better. How to be yourself. How to win. How to be a better father, mother. That's not what the book is about. The book is about encouraging those who are traitors and liars and fallen and broken with a savior that saved Peter. The scene... In John, ends with Jesus calling Peter to follow him. Now, let's be serious. (laughs) Would you entrust your checkbook to the person who stole from you? (laughs) Jesus did. He called Peter to follow him, to preach the gospel. He gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. That doesn't mean that Peter is in heaven with a big chain of set of keys. No. No. That means that Peter was the first one who preached the gospel after Pentecost to the Jews and opened the gates of the New Covenant community to the Jews. That means that Peter was the first one who preached the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house and opened the gates of the kingdom of God and the New Covenant to the Gentiles. And to Peter, to the traitor, Jesus gave the keys. Go ahead and preach. Tell them what great things God has done with you. Because after all, Jesus on the cross paid for Peter's treason. And that is the name of the game. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And even though your sins are red as scarlet, they will come to be white as wool. Why? Because Jesus paid. And here's the tale of two traitors and the tale of a great savior who restored his wayward child. Father, bless your word. Bless it to our souls. And since you know who is here, you know the thoughts, the lives, the biography. You have even the hairs On their head counted. And if they lost them. You know how many they have lost. Because of that. We pray. That you bless your word. And by your spirit. Seal it. And also father we pray that you help us. As we move out. And talk to one another. Not to help the devil's work. By unplugging the word planted. With silly chat or coarse jesting, or nonsense conversations. Help us to encourage one another in our most holy faith. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.